You will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a, this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an, I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a, I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B O D I dot com. Real moms are bravo. Real moms are bravo. Real moms are bravo. Real moms are bravo. I think if we said, did you know these sunglasses were $25,000, you know exactly who we're talking about. We are so excited to have Dana Wilkie on here. You know her from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but there is a lot more to Dana, and we're going to dive in, and most importantly, we're just going to say hello because we're basically new best friends, and we just are so excited that you're here. I am so happy to be here, you guys. I love your podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Dana. Dana's Instagram, by the way, side note, if you're not following Dana on Instagram, please give her a follow right now because it's hilarious. She always has all the tea, which we'll get into in this episode. But Dana, what's your handle? It's Wilkie underscore Dana on Instagram and at Dana Wilkie on Twitter. And it's not verified. Like I can't get verified. I don't know why. Like for years, like I could have millions of people. I still can't get verified. I don't know. (laughs) There's a conspiracy or something. That's why I heard that there's no like formal application process. So they just like let you know you're getting the blue check mark. I don't know if that's true, but that's what I've heard. It was when we first came out on um, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, it was in the beginning of social media. So we didn't have that tool really. It was just emerging. And so I went on Twitter and I got like, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't like, you know, shit hot or anything. I got like 40 or 50,000 people or something like, you know, which compared to other people, I suppose I'm like loser on that scale. But I thought like, okay, they would say, hey, she's on a a TV show and she has followers, like you would get a blue check mark, but apparently not, like ever, (laughs) no matter what. It's so weird. I want to know the secrets. Somebody tell us. DM us if you guys know, like the secrets to get verified. Yeah, I really want to know too. And Instagram also, I've sent in, I just want to say, so people out there don't feel bad about themselves because let me tell you, okay, I, I put in my application through the verify on Instagram. And you send in your license and I guess they like Google you and all this stuff. But I mean, I should be able to get verified, right? Like, I don't think it should be that hard. I mean, you definitely are who you say you are. We've seen you on your face, like on your Instagram stories and your Instagram lives. So like, I, that's so weird. It is We'll start the campaign. We're going to put some stuff out there to our followers and get you verified. 2021, the year of the blue check mark. Yes. Yes. Manifestation. (laughs) We're all about manifesting things that we want to happen. So if we say it enough, hopefully it will happen. Oh, I love that. That's such a good, that's a good thing. I'll be like, did you know I'm verified? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's got it. That's what you have to do when it happens. I will. I'll do a video. (laughs) Well, we all loved you on Beverly Hills. I mean, the $25,000 sunglasses, I would argue, is one of the most iconic lines in Housewife history. And it feels like you kind of went under the radar for a little bit, and then you've emerged back in 2020, and here you are now. But, you know, what have you been up to since the show? Well, you know, it was a really rough ride there for a while, okay? (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, I was on... um, Season one as a guest, season two as a cast member, as a friend, and then season three, I was a guest star on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And, you know, in the last season, you sort of see that my life is falling apart, which I like decided to go on and show everyone so they wouldn't just be like, what happened? She just disappeared. And <laughs> she must have like, you know, you know, died in some money graveyard somewhere. But um, <laughs> so I was like, let me just show them, you know, what's happening. 
So Evolution was kind enough to let me uh, do that shout out to the fans so they could see that my life was over and as, they, as, as everyone knew it. And um, I ended up getting um, an opportunity to shoot a pilot called Rich and Ditched in England. And you guys may not know this, but before I did Real Housewives, um, uh, Will Scripps, who's from the Scripps family, like there's the Scripps Network stuff, and um, his partner, Philip Plough, did another television pilot for me called Life of the Party, which was like following me around the world, throwing parties, okay? So um, anyway, this was like my my like third stand at trying at reality TV. Like I should just give it up by now. But anyway, <laughs> so I go to London and I go do this uh, Rich and Ditch thing. And um, I also am, am doing the Cannes Film Festival and stuff. But what a lot of people didn't know was that I had to go do those things because my uh, the father of my son, who I was engaged to on the show, and I was planning my wedding in season two, if you can remember that far back. Oh my um, God. Yes. Yeah. I feel like all the Bravo historians are so excited right now with this like old school information. I'm like dying right now. Like, <laughs> I wish you could see my mouth is a gape right now just listening to you talk. So please keep talking. Okay. I love it. Okay. So, you know, I was, um, I was planning my wedding and I was so excited, but I didn't know that um, my fiance had been cheating on me since I was eight months pregnant. Yeah. And um, if you want, I'll tell you the story because it might make people feel better about themselves if they have like tough times. (laughs) So um, what happened was I was um, doing a charity event uh, you might kind of remember it that I was involved with a charity that helped women that were from um, situations of abuse, and Taylor and I would yes. work on that charity yeah. together. I think it was on the show a few times, like mentioned. Um, I think it was eleven seventy one. I want to say is the name of the charity, and it, it, the the name of the charity is a, a reference to an address that you don't know where it is to keep the women safe. By the way, oh, that's yeah, that's kind of cool. And so um, we were working on, um, you know, an event for that charity. And I, it was an amazing night. I had it at my house, uh, not the one that I had game night at, but that other one that I went to, um, which was, I don't know if you saw that one, but it was like in a lot of press. It was just like giant. It was like 15,000 square feet. It was a total party house. It had a movie theater and like disco and all this crap. It was really over the top. So we hosted this great charity event there and it was like all these celebrities came. Adrian came and showed her support and super sweet. Kyle came by. Um, You know, everybody really rallied for this event, which was really nice. And um, there was like 90210 people. That Ian guy was there from Shark Attack or whatever. Oh, yeah. Sharknado. Yeah. (laughs) Sharknado. Yeah. It was a really cool group. Like We had a really interesting group that night. Anyway, um, so I'm at this thing. I'm super excited. I think I look really hot. So I send him a picture of myself. And I'm like, look, honey, look how great my event turned out and look how good I look, right? So, oh my goodness. The next day, I get um, a phone call and I don't answer it. And it's from his phone and it's a woman. (gasps) No. And she's like, I'm obviously on your fiance's phone calling you and I don't know why you're sending him pictures of yourself. Oh. But she knew he was your fiance. Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah, that's the big leap of disconnect. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so this is the beginning of the end. Um so essentially I I get together with him and I try to um you know have him make a decision. I mean, it's, I was like, it's obvious you're cheating. And he was like denying it to the end, but his behavior was showing otherwise. And, um, and anyway, uh, later on I, I give him like an ultimatum and I'm like, either you, you know, you, you commit totally to me and my son or it's over. Like I'm not doing this. Yeah. Yeah. So anywho. That had to be so hard though to even like, I mean, I, I always like commend people who, in that situation, like think about their kid and like try to make it work because they know how important it is for kids to, you know, have both parents if possible. Like I just, I think that's really big of you to try to put that behind you. Well, it was a really, um, it was a really incredible experience. Um, it was actually very surreal because 
late, like a lot of people don't know this, but you know, I'm saying this only for the moms that have had a tough time. Okay. Just, you know, like I hope nobody goes through this, but basically I had like all my, he had taken so much money from me and all this stuff like that. I, I, I found out later things weren't what they seemed. And I, so I had been living in like a, a fantasy thing that wasn't real. And um, so it was a really like rude awakening. Uh, but what was really uh, interesting about it was it was character building. <laughs> um, I mean, you are like strong as nails now, Dana. I, who, I think, I put it out there. No one fuck with Dana after this. Like you've gone through hell and look at you now. I also love that you say it so nicely, character building. Like, <laughs> yes, like if that's your takeaway and you're coming out of this stronger and better, yes. Like, yeah, keep going. Well, I just, you know, you, it's very, so many women, I think, don't realize that they're coping, you know? So they're in these relationships with men and they, they're just like very few good ones. And I mean, I'm not saying that to be negative, but like there's a lot of women that are just like, you know, they're, they're just such how do i say it? they're so supportive to the to the men that they're making you know the excuses and you know they're apologizing and they're when they're like they have bad situations they're making it better and i did that for so many years you know and maybe that's why on the tv show even i come off as a little bit of a kiss ass right because i think i was like sort of programmed right yeah. to to sort of like oh i'll make it okay Oh, let me make yeah. that okay. You know, my my guy's a whack job. I'll make it okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's like you want to be positive and like, but at the same time, you probably were like in a way almost like craving like a validation from people. Like, you're great. I love you. Like, when because when you're trying to fix everything yourself, it's like you need someone to be like, you're okay too, like to help support you. And so I'm sure it's like really hard to try to put on this brave face for a TV show. Oh, well, and not only a TV show, but also a, your son. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gosh. Absolutely. And, you know, when you hear stories now that are coming out, like Army Hammer and all this stuff, and a woman's married to him for 10 years, and you're like, how does that happen? And, you know, it's this type of thing. Like, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of women out there that are just like, I can fix it. I can fix it. You know, I can, I can make it normal or whatever. And so I guess to them, I want to say there's more of you out than you think. Um, you know, and yeah. so, you know, you're not alone. Um, but anyway, so I, uh, went over to France and, um, to London to shoot the show. And I ended up being really lucky because I was in product placement and I called a producer friend of mine and he booked me on a bunch of parties and movies, um, for the Cannes Film Festival that year. So I was able to like, salvage the situation and uh, put my family um, in a position of safety, I was really, really lucky um, that I was able to do that. Um, well, I, th I think people would be surprised to know too. Like, I mean, you are, I mean, you're a single mom, but you are completely supporting your son yourself. That's right. Because what happened was um, we became, when I called him out on the cheating, he became completely, uh, you know, estranged from us. He wanted nothing to do with um, my son. He made it like he did, but he didn't. Um, I tried, even though he, you know, did some really horrific things to me, I tried really badly to keep uh, that relationship alive for my son's sake, which, by the way, was like hard, really hard. Um but then he just didn't want to put any effort in, so I gave up, and I just accepted that I was never going to get child support, and I was just going to have to do this by myself, you know? And that's cool. That was going to be okay. I was going to be okay. Um, I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh, Dana. I know. I, like, I, I want to give you a hug, but I am so glad that you won – we're going to get to this in a little bit, but you have an amazing podcast. You just have, you're using your platform and everything that you know, all the character that you've built from everything that you've gone through. And it's, you know, it's a new chapter. You're re you're writing your own story, as they say. I, I mean, I love everything that you're saying, but I will tell you, Dana, um, some of my tough, some of my hardest days in motherhood are days when it's just me and my kids. And it's just, truly just me. And I always think of single parents immediately. And I'm always like, how do they do it? Like, how are they? You never get a break. You're always on. You have to think of everything. Like it's, 
Oh, I Vanessa, you have the six-month-year-old, right? Yeah, I do. Okay. See, I, I'm like up on you guys. I stay on my stuff, okay? Yes. No, I do. Yeah. I have my daughter, Camila. Yeah. Okay. So now this is like I want to tell you some things that really worked for me and I thought you would enjoy hearing them. <laughs> uh, yes. We take, we'll take all advice. So any advice you have for single moms or new moms, moms with little babies, we'll take it all. Please okay. do. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Okay. So my first um, thing that I want to suggest is your baby's at the age now where it can do – and I'm. this is not an ad. I want to say that loud and clear, but – um, I did the Babies Can Read program, okay? It's not an ad. And I really believe in that you can teach a baby to read. So, and wow. I've got a story to tell you about that. Um, I think I sent you guys an article that was you done. Did. I remember <laughs> yeah. this. No, I remember you sharing this. My mind was kind of blown. I also remember at like one point in like the media or whatever, people were like almost mocking you like, oh, Dana's saying her son can read Thai. And you put a video out there and he perfectly read Thai. And I was like, yeah, go Dana. Like middle finger to all those people that were like, there's no way a two-year-old can do this. So, I mean, this is real people. Like this is legit. It is. So what happened was when I was like obsessed with educating, I don't know, my my baby. Like I was I because I learned all okay. Oh, this is such a sidebar, but um I think I've mentioned on other podcasts that my mom passed away in a car accident, right? So during that, I learned a lot about uh brain, the brain, okay? Mm-hmm. And new brain science, which has to do with like the plasticity, the plasticity of the the mind, which means that you basically can learn anything if you do it enough times, okay? So there's like great brain science now out about this. You guys can Google it, all right? So the idea was that if you take a a baby and you initially have a baby memorize because their memory, like that's why they can learn language so easily as a baby, right? It writes to a different part of the brain when you're like a, you know, very, very young. So if you teach a baby to read very young, they, they learn from a different part of the brain. Like it writes to a different part of the the brain and they memorize it. So it's pretty cool because they're not really learning to read phonetically. They're learning to read by memorization. It's a very interesting thing, but it works. Yeah. No, that sounds very – I mean, it makes sense. I need to go back to the article that you shared with me, but that sounds very, very interesting. So how early did you start? Well, I started too early because I was like – I don't know. I I was – I was like obsessed with these types of like groundbreaking things. I wanted to do all of them. So the first thing I did was I taught him sign language. Sign language, I absolutely, uh, you can say I'm a Fruit Loop on the reading, that's fine. But the sign language is imperative because your baby will never cry. Like it will never cry because it will always be able to tell you what is wrong which is like a huge thing. Because yeah. most babies, they're, they're like conscious and they can't they can't communicate. So of course they cry. I'd cry, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right? So I'll tell you a really great story. So I'm in an airport and I'm traveling with John. He's a baby. Um, he's under one and he's got a bottle in, in his mouth and I had put orange juice in the bottle. So he's drinking away and then he starts to get upset and he's making the sign for bottle, which is like squi- squishing your hands together like you're milking a cow. Okay, it actually means like milk, but it's like uh, it translates also into bottle. So he's doing this, and I'm like, what the hell's wrong with him? He's got the bottle in his hand. Well, I pull the bottle out, and the pulp from the orange juice had blocked the hole. Oh my gosh. But, the but you or- never would have known if he didn't sign. Of course not, because all I'm seeing is orange liquid flowing into the bottle into his mouth. So he literally told me that no, I'm like, there is something wrong. I can't drink my bottle. And that made me look and fix it. Like how amazing. That is is incredible. That's awesome. No, I've always heard amazing things about sign language. And especially even if you're able to just do um, little things like all done with, especially when you start to spoon feed your child and everything like that. Our daycare actually teaches the kids sign language from like a, a pretty early age. And I was shocked at like, they would start signing stuff to me that I, like my boys, and I didn't know what it meant. I'd have to ask the teacher, like, what does this mean? And they're like, oh, they're saying like, all done, more, tired. Like they would tell me they wanted to take a nap. I mean, it is, I 100% believe that with the sign language, it's such a great way to communicate with babies that can't, I mean, obviously they can't form words yet. 
Well, and you know what was really cool and what went full circle for me was the reason I knew that John could read using the program that I was saying was because he could sign the words. He couldn't say them. Oh. (laughs) So I would hold up the word bottle and he would do the sign language for bottle. Okay. That, like I got goosebumps. That's crazy that he like could read it and he couldn't say it obviously, but he's, that's. So, I mean, is he like a a prodigy now? I just feel like these kids who get like a head start on reading have clearly have an advantage in life. Well, you know, he, he actually is, and I know it sounds like I'm like bragging mom, but no, he's actually skipping a full grade in school. So, and he's in, in Florida where I, where I am, they have, um, a testing that you, you do in school and he's in like, uh, the top 99 percentile of like the state and he's skipping an entire grade. So, and he's already in, um, honors, right? So I really do believe if you're into academics and not every mom is by the way, okay, that's like, you know, not everybody's into that, but if you're into academics or you want your kid to be able to, um, learn different aspects of, um, ways to imprint on the brain. It's the best thing you can do is start doing these things. And by the way, it's fun because let's face it, how many times can you roll a freaking car across the goddamn floor? (laughs) My daughter just asked me to play cars. Yes. Play with cards yesterday. Granted, she can talk. My oldest one can talk, but I think what you're saying also brings up to another point, Dana too, is just, just cater to your child's strength. Clearly, your son was giving signals that this is something that he's good at, that he's a talented in in his gifts. Not all kids are necessarily like that, but just cater to their strengths. Well, what was really interesting about it was that oh, this you're going to love. So part of the science is that we tend to show kids or babies pictures to try to identify what something is. But actually, the kid will never look at the word if there's a picture. They'll only look at the picture. So if you, it's like every child can be interested in words, but if you're always showing them a picture, their eyes are always going to gravitate to the picture. So that's part of the science is that you only show the word and you show them how to read the word and then you show them what it is after. Wow. Okay. So this is like what I'm saying. I know. I'm like, I feel like I did it wrong. I feel so bad for my oldest son. (laughs) I was always showing pictures, you know? Well, this is like, this is like the crazy stuff of the science. That's why it's fun to get into it or whatever. But anyway, give it a try. Every kid, you know, should try it once just to see if they dig it. You never know what you like and what your kid likes might be different. But try it, you know, and see what what happens. You don't need to buy it, by the way. You can do it the way you do it without buying anything is you write a word and then you show the picture and then you put show the baby the word with your finger going left to right, okay? And then you show the picture of what the word is, but separate timing, back to back. And that's how you could do it for free. <laughs> oh my God. Well, there you go, everyone. You just got a, a life hack from Dana too. So thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. So, so your son's skipping a grade now besides, I mean, being extremely smart, what, are there any other like hobbies or things that he's gotten into as he's gotten older? I just think some of it's like fun watching their personalities grow as they, as they reach a new age. Well, he's very, um, I, he loves gaming like all kids do. Um, he loves to do, um, you know, his own streaming gaming show, you know, where they do like, I I don't know, like Dan TDM does it, (laughs) you know, the dream where he pretends to be his own like video game narrator. Yeah. uh, What is it? Ready player one. Yeah. Yeah. And he does that. He also builds, um, we got a virtual reality machine, you know, they're, they're not that much. It sounds really elaborate, but they're like, uh, 300 bucks or whatever, but you can go and you can, um, go visit places like Anne Frank's museum. Oh, oh, that's cool. And you can actually interact like you're in Anne Frank's museum and see, listen to the whole like history of it. And they'll take you through a walk through tour and you can interact with her stuff and learn the story. And you can do that with lots of different historical things using VR. So I've been saying to my son, you know, maybe build your own world. So he's doing like a a virtual reality coral reef right now, which is super. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. There's, I mean, you know, these are things like in COVID that are really helpful to know exist, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that like, this is the type of stuff that like, I need to know because I don't think things are going to change as quickly as we all would like. And so I'm going to be reaching a point where even with my little kids that I'm going to have to get creative. We've been YouTubing like music, like museums have put like tours on YouTube yeah. Or like Disney Channel on the Disney Plus, they have stuff to like see the parks. Uh, I feel like that's been like a really good way to interact with kids too. You have to get creative right now. There's not a lot of things you can go do. Yeah, and I did go to Disney, and um, it was uh, it was very. I was I felt very safe. I mean, I know that I don't not Disneyland, Disney World. So I mean, I think you know those those parks. If you you know wear your mask and follow the rules and everything, you know. There, there are like abilities to to safely go to some places, you know, still. <laughs> Dana, I'm wondering what advice would you give to a first-time mom? Oh, I know. Um, my, my advice is that if you're pregnant, my advice would be to – that people don't tell you all the stuff that happens. So don't be afraid if something happens that's not like perfect. So like reach out to your friends and say to them, listen, like I had this physical problem come up or something came up in a scan and I'm scared or, you know, reach out and talk about it because you're going to find your friends that you thought had the most perfect pregnancy are going to be like, oh, that's funny. I had that happen to me too. Or, you know, unfortunately that happened to my sister and she did this and you won't feel so alone and isolated. Um you know, because pregnancy is is tough, you know, and it isn't always easy for everybody. And, um, you know, so I think that's really important. In terms of being a new mom, I'd say um, realize that, you know, it's okay to be not feel like yourself. It's okay to, to if you're feeling, you feel like, um, you know, if happy, it's great. If you're feeling sad, that's normal. I remember I used to sit uh, when my son was really young as a baby and I'd go, how the hell, like, oh, can I tell you a funny thing? Okay. So I'd be sitting on the floor and I'd wake up and I'd be all excited. Like I'm a mom, let's do this. You know? And I had, <laughs> and I had like, I was like in a mansion and I had like 65,000 toys. Like I had a hundred people at my baby shower, you know, it was like, so I'd shit everywhere. Okay. And I'd be sitting and I'd have every possible toy gadget thing and we would get started and I would start my day with him and like 10 minutes would go by and I'd be like, how can it not be three hours? Like, yeah, <laughs> no. the time, the time crawls. Yeah. Well, especially when they're so little, because like you said, you can only like play with a car so many times that it's hard when they're little to like really interact and feel connected. That's why like when some people are, will say like, I think there's something wrong with me. I don't. I don't love this phase. And I keep trying to like give myself a pep talk. I'm like the newborn phase is really hard because you have this, this thing that you, it doesn't really smile. It doesn't, you know, there's like, it's hard to get those emotions and that like confirmation out of a baby. So I can see why it's like just so challenging. I always, yeah, the hardest part to me was always, you never got the validation with a newborn right away. Like you're, you're providing if you're nursing or pumping or even formula, bottle feeding, whatever it may be and your baby's crying and you're doing all these things, you're rocking, you're not getting any sleep and there's never, you don't feel the validation from the baby. So that's how I always love like six months and up when they're a little bit more interactive and have a little bit more personality and you kind of feel like all that hard work. Hard work is worth it in general, but. It's good. Listen, all I can tell you is those were the longest hours of my life. I was like, this is, I mean, really, I'd be like, wow, this five minutes really went, it took a long time. (laughs) But um, I would also say that when I was first breastfeeding, right, my baby like ripped my boob apart. I don't know, like a lot of women, maybe they don't have this, but I was like, I had a barracuda baby, I think they call it, (laughs) you know? And so they sounds would, very painful. Yeah, it's, I it's, am hurting right now, even with you saying that. Okay, I'm sorry, but so I ended up finding out that they had those shields, you know, for your boob, and oh yeah. my, oh that was like heaven on earth. So I, I was at, you know, how I found out the nurse came in and I was in tears, and I was like, I can't put him on my boob again because it was like it's it was like the most painful thing I've ever been through in my whole life, and and he um. 
And she goes, wait, I've got something for you. And she pulls out these magical shields. And I was like, I was like Wonder Woman with like things on my boobs, but they were amazing. If they solved the problem. I was able to breastfeed to like eight months, which I would have quit because it was that bad. So I'm just saying. Eight months is amazing. I think however long you breastfeed is amazing. I think there's like this, and same for exclusive pumping. I know Vanessa is an exclusive pumper. I feel like there's like this notion that at least for myself, I was like, I have to make it a year. And I only made it, I say only, I see, I still do it. I made it six months with my first and I felt like so heartbroken because I just was like, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. And then with my second at six months, I was like, you know what? I think he's going to be okay. Like I chose to quit and I have such a better, um, like a mental feeling about that. Well, it's a, it, you have to measure it out, right? Like, okay. So the milk is, you know, obviously from you is, is the best thing you can do. Cause it has the immunity and all that stuff. You're, it's like nature's perfectly designed formula for your genetic baby or whatever. But at a certain point you're like, look, I want to go out again. Like, I'd love to get like my boobs out of this shirt that is like disgusting <laughs> that I wear every day and go and like, you know, maybe go out with a friend or you know, do something. I just finished pumping and I'm so glad my boobs are mine again. Like yeah. I'm just so happy that I can wear a different kind of bra. I don't always have to have a, like a pumping bra on. I'm just happy that the girls are mine. They're going to deflate, which I'm a little sad about, but they're mine again. That's what I'm saying. And so you want that freedom. So the day you get that formula and you subsidize, even though you're like, oh, this is death because this is really risky, right? Because of your milk level. You're like, it, you know, you put it in, but your freedom, oh my God. Oh. <laughs> like mentally when I gave my first bottle of formula and, you know, my kid didn't just combust in front of me. Like you're so terrified that you're ruining them. And I, he was okay. I really, I swear I heard angels singing too. I was just like, oh my gosh. Like I, I can give myself a three hour break from this if I really wanted to and really needed to. And it was so freeing. We are all about fed as best. So anyone listening, however you want to feed your baby, whatever makes you happy ultimately is the best way, the best decision that you can make for you and your child. That's right. <laughs> okay. So to, to pivot a little, cause I'm loving all this mom advice. I want to know you've become the expert, uh, Erica and Tom Girardi legal advisor. Do you have any advice for them as they go into all of this drama and the shit show? Cause I feel like every week we learn something new. Well, you guys are so kind. You're so generous. I noticed on your Instagram, like you're very generous with people, you know, celebrities and stuff, you know, you're like, I don't know what they were thinking, but you know, we support them, but not in that bad decision, but we love them, but not (laughs) now. We're Midwesterners. I think there's just something about us. that's like, don't say a bad word about somebody. And if you have to make sure you let them know that like, you're not trying to hurt their feelings. So it's so hard sometimes to talk Bravo when there's major shit going on. Also, I have anxiety, so I'm a people pleaser by nature. (laughs) So the thought of someone like coming after me um, out of the blue, like kind of terrifies me. So I feel like it's better to just be nicer. Anyways. You know what? I I just um I I was DMing with uh, Heather from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and we were talking about, um, you know that that challenge of being a person who's like a uh like a likable person and really struggle to fight, you know, and be like an asshole. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, how, I get it. You're and how, how this is us. <laughs> yeah, and how and how being on Bravo when you're like a nice person is so hard. You know, so I told her a funny story to make her feel good because I was like, I, I she's general, you know, she's genuinely a very nice person, and she, you know, she does struggle with that aspect. I think of things on Salt Lake, but um, I was telling her that when I was uh, when I was on the show before the reunion at the end, um, I was like, you know, I really got to figure out how to be mean and like angry, way more angry because I'm like very easygoing. I don't know if you can tell when you listen to my podcast, you'll get it, but yeah. Um, no, I can tell. Even like now, as you're talking about everything you went through with your husband, I I can like picture you almost like smiling. Like I made it through this. This was a character building thing. You are very positive. And it, so it was like really funny because people would be like, you know, say something. And I'd be like, I have to get angry. But like, I don't get angry. <laughs> you know, Like really, I'm like, I because I honestly, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm sort of like, if you don't like me, screw you. You know, that's my real thinking. But it comes off like I just don't care. Right. So that's not good for TV, by the way. Just FYI, you need to think that 
So, um, so what happened was, oh, by the way, can I just fill you in on some gossip really quick? That's really Always. cool. And Always. I'll, I'll, I'll circle back to Erica in a minute. But um, uh, what I was going to say is that when I was um, on the show, um, the one of the reasons that you see me like slowly dying off over time on the show was originally my ex, the one I was talking about earlier, was supposed to appear on the show with me. And he was supposed to sign a release and they shot a bunch of crap with him in the beginning, including buying the sunglasses, by the way, and he wouldn't sign it. So Bravo and Evolution, to say the very least, was very pissed. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. I know that just happened, I think, with Sutton. Well, so what happened was, what was crazy is that – over time, I'm like, oh, this is bad. You know, like I just knew it. That and there were some other dynamics, but for a different time, I'll tell you that one. But um, that that was definitely one of the dynamics that played up. But I thought it was because he was shy, but it wasn't. It was because he had this double life with this other chick in another state. That's that's the thing I didn't get to tell you earlier. <laughs> yeah. So Layered. that's why I wouldn't yeah, because he was afraid like the girlfriend would find out that he really like was engaged to someone else that's on TV. Isn't that hilarious? That's insane. It is. That, I mean, I I don't know. I don't know if it happens very often, but I do feel like there are people who think they want to be on reality TV and then they realize everything is fair game. And that can be challenging because I'm sure there's some stuff we all want to hide. But yeah, if you're living a double life, it's extremely uh, complicating yeah, to try to be a- out there. It doesn't work at all, but it is a great after school special. So I <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that happened. Um, okay, so back to Erica. What where were we? I like lost my train of thought now. I just you're just like you get like tea from people and like info before anyone else. I feel like you are the resident legal advisor of like oh, this you have situation. Access, and you have access to some special website. Or something. Oh, wait, I've got it. I remember now. I'm coming back. Okay. So I told Heather, this was my advice to Heather, I forgot. I told Heather that um, what I did before the reunion, because I'm so nice like you guys, is I hired an acting coach to teach me how to be mean and angry. I love it. That's amazing. Did it work? I I think so. I was kind of mean on the reunion, didn't you think? I brought it a little. I I mean, you, you know, you definitely. Well, it was a. It wasn't. Um, I don't want to say it wasn't like smiley, but you weren't afraid to like go after some. I loved it. You on the reunion actually was like making me. I used to think friend the friend of role. I'm like, why do they have them on the reunion if they're not full to cast? And watching you on the reunion, I'm like, okay, this is why the friend of needs to be needs to have a seat. And I wish they had kept, they edited some other, like I I called out a lot of truths that day and they cut some of them out, like especially towards Lisa Vanderpump that I said, and I really thought, oh, that sucks, you know, because it's important to see the full picture of any situation. You know what I mean? I, I feel like they shouldn't really edit the reunions. I think that they... I mean, I know why they do it because they want to keep them aligned with the main story plots of what's happening. They don't want like a whole new uh, storyline to come out at the reunion, let's say, because that happens. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was. It's disappointing sometimes because you, you know, like Lisa's, you know, uh, husband Ken called me chubby and Lisa had sort of agreed. I knew about that off camera, but because it wasn't like a main story point when I called her out at the reunion and said, Hey, listen, your ass got stuck in a patio. Like I'm not like, what the <laughs> That's fuck? Amazing. Make, yeah. Why are you yeah. making fun of my chubby ass when your ass got stuck in a patio? You know, like, because that was like, they were showing that scene. I think Kyle and her were jumping like patios or something and she got stuck, whatever. Anyway, the point was like, I was waiting for a response. You know, I wanted to know that response. And, um, she was just like, you know, smiled at me and she's like, I don't know. I think she was actually quite reasonable. She was like, I don't know why I called you chubby actually now that I am. <laughs> what are the reunions like? I just, I mean, I know they're long. I mean, are you just sitting in like, I mean, pre-COVID, were you just sitting in like a little like room and do you guys like, is there much like conversing when they take breaks? Like what is like, what's the mood during a reunion? I had a great reunion experience. Um, I, you know, we had the men there and I was there on the day that the men got to come and, um, 
And I got pulled in for a specific segment of, of, of a part of the episode. They had their reasons, I know, for that. They knew I would like – I mean, I, it would have been my shining moment because nobody would have come for Taylor because I was so protective of her, you know. Um, but they made sure I wasn't around when any of that was talked about, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but other than that, the rest of the my time was pretty relaxed because I went in and they they really treated me like talent that day. They were like, "Come on, Wilkie," you know. And I went in, I shot my bit, and then it was like the end of the reunion, and we like all hung out and took pictures and we're like laughing together. So I didn't have this like whack job experience that some of these people are having, where they're like fourteen hours later. And like, yeah. I'm like, you know, people are like, their husbands are like, you know, going to fight. And like, we, I don't, we just didn't have that. It wasn't the vibe at that time. I mean, things have gotten very Jerry Springer on Bravo. Like it's really gone up a whole notch. You have to be really crazy. Well, yeah, you do have to be a little bit crazy. But I also feel like the earlier seasons, like the seasons that you were on Beverly Hills felt so much more authentic than they do now. I feel like you can as viewers we were real people that really lived that way I feel like as viewers we can tell when someone's not fully sharing all of themselves on camera versus someone who's truly like an open book well you know what happened is at some point okay so when you're on the tv show when evolution allows like an edit to stand or when evolution um asks you to do something again or um when they uh, they turn the camera light off on you, okay, and you know they don't like what you're talking about, those moments make you program different, okay? So what's happened over the years, I believe, is that there's been enough of a pattern established for, for uh, you know, future housewives that they watch the series and they're like, oh, so what gets on camera is the fight. What gets on camera is the one-liner. What gets on camera is, uh, you know, me saying the opposite thing that what everybody else would believe or what everyone's saying on Twitter is what I should say. And so what happens is over time, you're getting a more and more educated cast member seeing what's working from the edit and whatever. And now they're programming. Now there's almost no need for an edit because you just have someone like, I've got my zingers for today ready. Let's go, you know, but that's not the way it was in the beginning. In the beginning, we were really like stumbling along and, um, you know, we weren't programmed. And in fact, the most programmed person on uh, season two was Brandy because she came in with a real agenda and had studied, you know, to her credit, by the way, had studied the franchise and uh, had a plan, you know, and I think... uh, it caught us all off guard a bit. It was like, I call her the grenade the producers threw in because, you know, everybody was still kind of, uh, hanging on to some sort of leg in reality, right? We're not going to go too far off. What's really who we are. We're not going to go too off of what really like make fun of it. Right. Like, am I a nut about my baby? If you can't tell that from this episode, I don't know. Yeah, I was, you know, and I deserve to be make fun, you know, made fun of because I was really that. But it's grounded in truth. They're not just doing something to be like, you know, entertaining. Right. So I don't know. That was just my my thing. I think, you know, I hope the authenticity comes back. I think other shows on Netflix are are trying to um, take that away from Bravo. So if they don't go back to that authenticity, they're going to struggle, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like in some franchises, you see it more than others. Like The ones where you don't get that authenticity stand out to me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, for example, uh, Jen Shaw, although very entertaining on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Really, to me, it's like I feel like the whole thing is so programmed. I'm like, where is the real Jen Shaw? Could the real Jen Shaw stand up, please? Because uh, I felt- we've all been saying that. I I feel like she's very like went into it, like had studied the show, kind of like you said, has her one liners, has the outfits, but it doesn't feel like we're getting all of her. I want more of her husband on the show. I mean, I know he's always gone, but I saw Brandy share something that so many housewives come on the show to um, eventually get a divorce. And I'm not, I don't wish that upon anyone, but 
I, I don't know. That Jen's the show. relationship made me kind of think about that. No, they do. They use the show as a mechanism to have a career when they had none and parlay it into some independence to get away from the guy. Absolutely. 100%. It's kind of becoming a little Bachelor-esque too. I feel like so many of these people, when they come on, they'll like – and I get – we get excited when we have – you know, get 10,000 new followers and stuff like that. But when I see a lot of them doing the hashtag ads and like, oh, I just reached 100,000 followers – it's starting to feel a little bachelor type where they come on just for the Instagram following and the opportunity to make a lot of money promoting stuff, which I think the whole premise of Housewives was these people were so wealthy, they didn't have to go that route. Yeah, no, the lifestyle porn component is definitely lacking. <laughs> yeah. Like when we got to see Dr. Moon, Dr. Tiffany Moon on Dallas, I don't know if you've been following Dallas, her closet. I'm like, this is why I watched Housewives. It is over the top. It is extra. It is. I mean, she has a fingerprint to get in to open her closet, but that's what we love. Like we want to see $25,000 sunglasses. I don't want it to be somebody like slinging their tequila and trying to get sales off the show. Well, this is, this is this delicate balance of, um, you know, what What sells on reality TV? And I, you know, I, I feel like, you know, Andy Cohen for years has been trying to figure, figure out the formula and it's really hard to get your finger on it. You know, like, you know, sometimes I suppose there are years where um, the culture shifts, right? And everybody's like, oh, I've had enough of this rich shit. I want to see some like, you know, <laughs> I want to see some married with children, you know, like that opposite, like everything's gr like cigarette over the omelet, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but that's a, I think then do that, but do it as a different brand, a different franchise. Like for me, I don't know. The housewives for me is like, I don't want to see people at target. I, I do, but on a different show. Well, you know what? When you go to BravoCon, because you apparently can get into BravoCon. <laughs> yeah. uh, I can't. I, I almost didn't make it. I, God bless this person. She heard through the grapevine that, you know, Vanessa got in, I didn't. And so she posted like, I'm going to sell my ticket. And all these people like sent her my way. And she's like, oh my gosh, you want to go so bad. I'm just going to charge you what I paid for it. Like truly a, an angel sent from heaven because I was trying to figure out like, what's my breaking point? Do I spend $5,000 on a ticket? Wait, it's how insane. Much, how much is it? Tell it me was everything. Like, I I like, it was I can't even remember. I, can't. I feel like we paid like in like eight hundred for our weekend ticket. I agree with so, that. So you go okay. So it was like eight hundred bucks. Do you get to go to like private meet and greets, or is that all like convention? It's very convention-y. I will say like the one thing we learned is we did all the evening activities, which being there for Watch What Happens Live and having over like a hundred Bravo people there was unbelievable. It was so cool. But we also did the Vanderpump Rules Party, which was like literally like the Vanderpump people were like in this like it was like at an almost looked like an opera house. So they're up in like this little suite and they're just waving to all of us. And then the rest of us are like drinking and partying. You didn't really get to interact with them. I heard if you did the brunches, they had like a brunch thing that they were like just sitting down and like talking to people and like doing shots. And like you, that's when you got to actually do a meet and greet. But you'd have to buy those extra tickets. So that's a little tidbit. And, and, and how much were those extra tickets? Just curious. <laughs> it ranged. It I ranged from like I felt like it was like a hundred, like from fifty to I didn't look into the brunch stuff, but it, I feel like it was under two hundred. The thing with the brunch though, it was literally just a ticket to go there, and then you still had to pay for your food. Right. Oh I feel like that. I saw like, I feel like that's why we were like, we're not going to pay $300 for brunch with like the ticket and all the stuff. Um, well, I, I, I have this secret plan that like, I can, I probably can't get Heather to actually Heather McDonald from Juicy Scoop to actually do it with me, but I want her to. <laughs> My secret plan is to, at some point when COVID's over, go to BravoCon and definitely not be able to get in because I won't have a ticket and I'm definitely not going to pay for a ticket. So I'm just going to go up and be like, I'm Dana Wilkie. Can I come in? <laughs> okay. I, I'd be shocked. I mean, Gina Kehoe got to be there. I don't know why you can't be there. No. So then I would go up, ask. If they said no, then I'm going to have like a backup party location across the street. <laughs> okay. uh, well, we'll be there. We will be there. And and everybody can come free and just hang out with me and my other friends that that wouldn't go to BravoCon but would hang out with me and that you guys would probably like to know and it'll be free and you could just drink with me. How about that? <laughs> that's that's heaven, Dana. I feel like we're going to get so many DMs of people like, how do we sign up for Dana's BravoCon? That sounds amazing. 
<laughs> but we're like the kicked out people. So that's important to just acknowledge. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. I, I just, I love that. Like you're so real and so, like share everything. You don't try to like sugarcoat any of it. And that's a lot of how you are on your podcast. I love it. it's dishing the drama with Dana Wilkie uncensored. The uncensored part is crucial because you are very uncensored. I love it. But tell us a little bit more about your podcast. Well, you know, it's, what is it? It's, it's a place where people can come and really be entertained uh, in the sense that I don't, you know, I don't pretend to deliver, you know, everybody, I guess, in the franchise has a tendency to deliver themselves in a certain way and present themselves in a certain way. And this is an opportunity for uh, both influencers that are like you guys who are involved with the franchise to be real about what their real opinions are and what they think is interesting um, I often will prevent, uh, pr present evidence to of things that exist for you to ponder. These are not for you to go, well, I'm going to, you know, cancel this person or whatever. It's for you to <laughs> think about. It's for you to speculate. It's for you to have an opinion. And it goes deeper than the show because it's like the show ends and then there's my podcast, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like uh, that. And it's very funny. There are sound effects that we use. It's very morning show and vibe, um, you know, so you know that I know, you know, when things are silly, I, you know, I, you can tell when I really believe in something, you can tell when I think something's stupid, but I'm having fun with it. Um, it's a good time, right? And you also get to know all the conspiracy theories in one place and all of the the gossip that's really happening that's really like deep dive stuff, but in a funny way that you can stomach it, you know? And um, in fact, I'll give you an example of an episode coming up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We want to hear. Okay. So you know that Mary Cosby from The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City has like all these family members that have been coming out on different like, you know, influencers sites and they're making their commentary, but they're all being interviewed. And one of my rules on my podcast is I don't interview people. So although I may have famous people on my podcast or big influencers or big hosts of shows, I will never interview them because I have no interest in, in interviewing someone ever in my whole life. So what I want to do is hang out with you and I want you to have drinks with me and I want you to tell me like your like really weird viewpoint that maybe isn't the like proper viewpoint. Okay. So what I did is I invited uh, Dan Cosby, who's Mary Cosby's cousin on the show, not to be interviewed by me, but to co-host with me and to speculate um, how Mary Cosby became the head of her church. And oh my God. When does this come out? I need to listen to it now. <laughs> and not only that, but we also speculate on, um, you know, some things that nobody knows about Mary, but in a way that's really interesting because again, it's two friends who I consider Dan. I call him cousin Dan now. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. <laughs> And we just are chilling out and we're we're talking and we're speculating. But of course, he has some incredible insider information in his speculations. And this is where it gets interesting, right? Because just to interview someone is to ask them a question and like it goes nowhere. To hear what their opinion is, their opinion is, is way more interesting. So this one's coming out, I think, next uh, Sunday, um, along with a part two series. But you can't believe the stuff that comes out when you hang out. You know, and a lot of people don't know it, but I'm friends with a lot of reality stars and um, that are still like talk to me, unbelievably. But <laughs> even though my reputation is, do you, you know, do you talk to any of the women from the show? Like even when like newcomers are from Beverly Hills or any franchise, are you still close with any of the housewives? Most of the housewives from Beverly Hills at this point, not really, because so much time has gone by and I've been in Miami. And unless yeah. you're in unless you're in LA and you're going to the events and the parties, I mean, you're not really hanging out. You know what I'm saying? Like you, yeah. you're, you're not you're not in their scene. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but people don't confide in each other in LA. It's not like that. You know, I mean, people well, are like, let's yeah. get deep. Like we don't get deep. We're like, let's go to this party. You know? So when you think about like reality stars, is there like a certain like show or network that you're like, I really love the reality stars from like E or is there like a certain show that you have a lot of friends that have been on? Well, what, what's happened is in my 
before I was on Real Housewives of L- uh, of LA, of Beverly Hills. <laughs> Same thing, uh, right? <laughs> well, now it might as well be. There's like 20 cast members. So it's like the whole yeah. city is on the show. Um, but uh, no, when I, before then, I used to have all these dinner parties every week and all these things. And there were always these great characters that came to my parties. So a lot of the people that ended up uh, that I ended up getting to know at those events have gone on to be on reality shows. So, okay. yeah. So it's kind of interesting, um, you know, to see how it's all evolved. Like, for example, um, what's that new show? Uh, it's called House of um, Bling on Netflix. Yeah, Bling Empire. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Christine on that show, her and I used to hang out together all the time in L.A. We were um, – uh, I believe she was on the board of uh, the Modern Museum of Art or the MOCA or whatever with me at one point when I was young. And then she came to some dinner parties at my house. But she was like a socialite at that time. And and now look at her. She's, you know, she is on this show and she's like become big. And anyway, she texted me last night, but she's super cool. You know, that's, I mean, yeah, that's awesome. And she doesn't uh, come off, I don't think, as she really did in real life. So I don't know. I I think people need to be patient with her character. (laughs) I think you have to keep that in mind with any reality show. Kind of take it with a grain of salt. They have so, so much footage and they edit it and produce it a certain way. And yes, like they can't recreate something that didn't happen, but you can also piece together scenes to make make somebody look like they blew up over nothing. But what you missed was you know, they threw out something that was like a really hurtful allegation or something like that. I just think like with any reality show, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. And I'm sure you know that from, I mean, living it, I'm sure there are times where you didn't love the way something was edited or produced. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely embrace all the edits that (laughs) (laughs) I I, love them all. Yeah. (laughs) I am a kiss ass. What can I say? Um, no, I, I do think that, um, there is some great, great, uh, reality TV coming out and I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Like, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot of stuff for people like you and I to talk about and, you know, get excited about on our podcast. So that's, that's the most important thing, right? Content, especially during COVID. Yes. I know we're all like itching for more stuff, more shows. And I think it's kind of cool that for a while it felt as if E and Bravo were really the only ones that did like really entertaining reality shows that everybody was like loved to watch. And now we have Netflix and like Hulu and other networks coming out with more reality shows that we're binging and obsessed with. And so I think it's fun to see the different type of reality shows. There's competition. There's like the love is blind, which we all got obsessed with. And and there's still housewives and all the other stuff that we love, but there's just so many different like genres to reality TV now. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to binge watch Christine's show because I actually, she was like over the top like that. All the people that I know that were, that are on her show are actually the way that they're saying they are. So that was what was really impressive. I was like, wow, this is, now we're back to like, the old this is real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is real. I was oh like, my God, oh. I love it. Yeah. Anyway. Will you have her on your show at some point, do you think? You know, I asked her last night and I did it in such a good, careful way. I was like, so we edit it. <laughs> if you yeah. Get, if you don't get worry. Too, yeah. Yeah. If you get too drunk, you know, don't worry. We'll edit. Oh, so so I um I explained like the show format and I was like, don't worry, you know, when celebrities come on the show, we just we it's really like a view, like the view show, but with gossip. And I was like, we edit and so on. Anyway, it was really funny. She came back with like a bunch of compliments, like, you're iconic. I I miss, you know, miss seeing you. And then she was like, not no response on my podcast. <laughs> She's just leaving it up in the air. It's not a no. It's not a yes. Yeah. Yeah. So then I came back with like, hey, no pressure. Okay. Like, it's all right. You know, I'll just, because like in the end, what's great about my show is in the end, if you won't come on, I'll just talk about you anyway. So (laughs) I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So remind everyone, how can they find you on social and tell us that, tell us where we can listen to your podcast. Okay, so the podcast is available. Um, there are free episodes available on all the podcast listening things like Spotify and Apple, et cetera, et cetera. Then there's a Patreon where I do release certain episodes and you can only get them forever if you pay. 
Okay. And I have to do that to cover the cost of podcasts. So there it is. Those crazy days, those $25,000 sunglasses are gone. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and, uh, so you can get it. And you can just search Dishing Drama with Dana Wilkie. Now, some other fun things to know is that my song which is 25,000 Dishing Drama, which is hilarious. If you haven't heard it, it was released. I I mean, it's maybe one of my favorite Housewife songs of all time. It's so good. So uh, it is back out so you can download it and put it as a ringtone. And it's also on Instagram if you want to use it in your stories. Just search Dana Wilkie and you'll find it. And it's really fun to use. And then uh, lastly, of course, I always love to chat with everyone about gossip on my Instagram, Wilkie underscore Dana. And I love you guys. And I'm so grateful to be able to have talked to you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. This was so fun. I feel like we could have talked for like five more hours. So we'll have to have you back on. But thank you so much, Dana. Oh, thank you guys so much. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospa's hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment.